What I find very uh, wasteful in time and energy is that every local municipality, every civil servant is trying to figure out the what the role is between a group of citizens building their own energy system and the municipality itself. It's more in general citizen participation in, in the energy transition than uh, only focusing on uh, energy communities, but they're of course part of that and they're the motivated citizens that we often, uh, you, yeah, that we also really want to include better in our policy making and, and to have them also as inspiring partners. Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. This podcast is for those who want to learn how cities go about with the energy transition, how they take action with courage and creativity. The Netherlands is one of the leading countries when it comes to an energy policy taking into account many different people and sectors. The Dutch National Climate Agreement from 2019 is the best example. So, to achieve its climate and energy goals, the country needs the highest possible involvement and public ownership of green energy, including for heating homes. Today's episode brings together two Dutchmen whose work focus is on citizen participation in exactly this energy transition. Anatole Itten is working for the Dutch government with a focus on citizen participation policy. Siewart Zoma leads the Dutch Federation of Energy Cooperatives called Energiezamen. Welcome to City Stories podcast, Anatole and Siewart. As a start, can you please briefly present yourself and what your role is? Thanks, Miriam. Um... Yeah, I worked uh, until last summer of, uh, at the TU Delft. My background is mostly uh, political science. I, uh, yeah, I did a PhD here uh, and made with uh, with the focus of conflicts between citizens and governments, um, in various topics, but also, of course, uh, climate-related and uh, energy-related topics. Um, and so I switched to the government uh, last summer and I'm also working there with a colleague on citizen participation policy uh, in general. Uh, we have uh, two large topics. One is writing a strategy for the ministry. Uh, there's no strategy for how to involve citizens, just more like uh, spontaneous uh, activities or not really strategic activities. So we set out or there was also demand to, to write really a coherent strategy and a vision like how that can be improved. Uh, and the second big uh, project is uh, to organize a citizens assembly or climate assembly in next year. So that's my main focus at the moment. And uh, I think it's more in general citizen participation in, in the energy transition than uh, only focusing on uh, energy communities, but they're of course part of that and they're the motivated citizens that we often, uh, you, yeah, that we also really want to include better in our policy making. I think it would be cool to hear you, Sivard, and to know a bit more about what, who you are and where you come from. I'm Cooperative Director at ANG Sam. And Sam is the branch cooperative of the Netherlands. So it's the, it's the Dutch Federation of Energy Cooperatives. We have about 370 members. Um, and uh, we do everything for our members from, I do mostly the, the advocacy with uh, for the members. Um, 
we have a direct contact with economic affairs. We, uh, yeah, we actually developed a whole new strategy on how to do this lobby and advocacy instead of uh, yeah, going to the press and then going to parliament members and then going to civil servants and then sit together, talk. We sit together and talk with civil servants directly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you it, found a shortcut. Directly is a lot more effective than uh, the whole lobby sequence that uh, normal lobbyists do. How easy is it for community energy practitioners in the Netherlands to connect, learn or help each other? I always say my job is to brag in abroad how good we are doing and complain in the Netherlands what we're missing. <laughs> so... Um, I think compared to other countries, we're doing really, really good. Um, if you count everything up, there's a very strong uh, supporting framework. We have one of the, the three community energy development funds in, in Europe. Uh, we have a special feed-in tariff for community energy. We have uh, yeah, a direct relation with economic affairs. Um, we In the Previous years, local governments invested a lot in um, uh, in knowledge development. Uh, uh, we've got a knowledge platform, um, and we in the climate agreement we have a an, in English it's a non-binding community energy target of 50% ownership. So in all. Uh, we got a pretty stable uh, framework. But um, now, especially with what we see with scale, uh, our, our pilot project is a district heating project. And there we see a lot of information coming out what is needed for the future. And for the future, um, yeah, we're still lacking behind, but that's that's not weird because you don't have to. <laughs> and that's, that's what this project really helps us to go through a pilot site and then figure out what we need on a, on a national level in Groningen, but in, in almost in every uh, district heating project, there was a lo long discussion on uh, the definition of the energy community. Um, they, the local government just wasn't sure what they were. were. Were they now a private company or were they um, just citizens or so it was really hard to define each other's role. So we're asking for a definition in uh, in the new heating law, basically just a transposition of the renewable energy directive. Mm -hmm. So we're not um, that's one, and we need a development fund for uh, for heating for community energy heating, because uh, yeah, these projects are so big, it's impossible to do this with volunteers. So uh, and then after that, you need a uh, I call it um, a guarantee fund because, yeah, if you have a massive portfolio with 20 projects, then you can spread your risk. But a community energy project only has one project. So any technical failures means direct bankruptcy. So you need to mm. have a fund to catch it up. When they're big enough, they can have that fund themselves. They will eh, put money in every year as a insurance. But to start, it's a chicken and egg, so the government needs to uh, step in. So, and all this, it's not with all these parts, uh, the government is working on it. Eh? With yeah. us. So, it's, uh, mm -hmm. and then further for 
because district heating needs uh, stable electricity prices because a lot of heat pumps are used either individually by members or collectively in uh, district heating. Um, you need to um, uh, have energy sharing. So um, the fact that if you uh, build energy production on a local level that is used on a local level without um, uh, yeah, belasting, I say. Um, uh, yeah, ch charging or yeah, charging the grid, burdening, yeah. mm -hmm. burning the 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 grid. That is a different form of development than, like for example, other projects that just uh, so that isn't defined. There's no difference between it. So now you have local cooperatives who are in development and they have a spot, but they have to wait until other external parties, private investors, build their solar parks and the wind parks before they can get a grid connection. Uh, um, even though the other ones are costing a lot of money uh, because they don't supply it on a local level, they, they push it out the grid when there's a peak. And so that whole process, you need to be able to define what's going on there and then you can make a difference between uh, energy communities who build production for energy sharings and you and people who build production to make money that's basically the, the basic definition but trying to put that in into law is uh, very complex Heating and cooling still is the missing piece in Europe's energy transition. In the Netherlands, there is currently a heat transition law underway and Seward contributes to the law with learnings from the SCALE project. Seward participates with several local heat community projects, including one which is called Bordwarmte. Bordwarmte is located in Groningen. Its goal is to bring more than 3,000 households together to decide on and manage their own sustainable district heating network. For the time being, all neighbors get their heat from a traditional gas boiler, but they might become one of the first community-led projects in the Netherlands to collectively shift to renewable heating. Tell me, Seward, such a collective heating network only makes sense if a minimum number of households participate. How do you manage that? In Groningen is uh, uh, a joint venture with the municipality. So, and they got a large subsidy from the government for uh, pilot projects and to do most of the work. And then um, what we did in scale was mostly the conceptualizing the process of citizen engagement. We have about nine energy communities going to financial close or distributing. From the first neighborhood that they're going to start, they have uh, 17 contracts with the neighbors. So. Everything is sorted out. Technical designs are, are ready. The technical designs of houses are ready. It's just now a matter of getting the finances. This year, they will start uh, the implementation. The concept of district heating is quite old, but what makes it different and nicer in Groningen is that the municipality and residents are designing it together. How do those projects resonate with policymakers, Anatole? Yeah, they're really important for us. Uh, I think that's that's also what uh, Siebert said. I think we're entering also a bit of a new mindset in the in the ministry that um, we really need to do this together with citizens. 
Uh, and part of this is, of course, the citizens who are very active and uh, yeah, like uh, working in uh, cooperative uh, structures, but also not only these these ones. Uh, of course, we also have to have uh, an eye open for those who are um, a bit more critical or just who don't have time to engage. But I think the ones who are really active, I mean, they also live, uh, you know, they, they're they're way closer to the neighborhoods than we are. And I think they can tell us a lot what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, as Siebert just said, when, when they're doing pilots and they give useful information, I mean, this is like for us uh, free uh, information that we don't have to, um, uh, to seek for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, uh, we've also had recently uh, a string of around eight um, citizen talks with around 120 citizens, but from all like in all uh, areas of the Netherlands, uh, and and a good part of those were also um, citizens who are uh, like very active and uh, on the forefront. And interestingly, they were also as frustrated as those who are uh, are very against the energy transition because like for different reasons. But they also had a lot of complaints because they feel that you know everything is or a lot of the, is on their shoulders that. They don't get enough um, um, attention, but also that it takes always so long and so bureaucratic. Um, and also they're struggling also often with their local municipalities, or at least those who are frustrated. So, and of course, they also hope that we as, uh, as ministries can help them in terms of, you know, like also pushing a bit uh, the municipalities to to do more because there, there are huge differences, right? I mean, do you have municipalities who are really open and they really uh, support these, uh, these these communities, but there are also others who are thinking, you know, like just do them their work and, and I, I ignore them. And I think then these citizens really hope they're also going to the provinces, you know, to look for support, but they also try to come uh, to us because it's not really a welcoming uh, situation where they do um, their projects. So I think that that's something we really need to look a bit more into. And also, of course, what 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 Siebert said, that um, there are some good programs, but I think we can do more, uh, especially we because it's such a it's such a driving force. I think also uh, you see the Netherlands has a problem of, of space and there is always friction if you have not enough space. And I think if you have people who are really living there, you know, they also they're not uh, they're not coming uh, into an area, put something, a wind park or uh, energy system there, and then they leave again. They really live there, so they also try to do it as much as with the interest of the neighborhood. And that's also the the 50% ownership. Uh, you know, like I think these are the best uh, partners to realize that. Of course, the the governments, the local governments, also coming. You know, like uh, maybe a step behind, but they're they're also doing the best. But with with the local energy communities, you already know that they will uh, push that that goal upwards, and uh, so I think that's that's important that we embrace embrace these organizations and, and and listen to them and learn from them. This all sounds pretty advanced, and the national level seems to be well connected to the local level. What is the missing piece in this locally owned energy transition in the Netherlands, according to the two of you? Yeah, I think the one what Siwada said, there's a lot of, you know, like it's a lot of volunteers still. And of course, they, they will always be also volunteers. But I think we, if you want to push this or give it a base, you know, that this is really a, a pillar also of uh, the energy transition, um, then we need to also help professionalize. I think that's also a wish from 
many of those um, to 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 help them uh, not o only rely on volunteers because I think then that's also a vulnerable uh, status. And I'm you know I worked also a time of my life in Germany and you could see there also how vulnerable they are to policy making. I think that's also important that we secure uh, also for the future. You know there might be other governments, other you know. I mean, more positive, but they could also be more negative and not that, you know, like it shuts down that kind of the, this movement or this this growth. I think that's also important that we, we, we also look for the long term uh, investment of this, uh, like this climate that it's it is positive for for energy communities to grow. And, you know, what we also had last talk with see where to democratize this democratized also these assets um, that are available. Because of course they they are limited and 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 they have been a long time not or that, that that's also what we hear a lot from citizens. There's a lot of frustration that uh, the the costs and benefits of the energy transitions are not equally equally divided. And I think with the energy cooperatives we can um, make a steps toward more equal division. There will never be an equilibrium, but you know we can also strive to to do it better than it was before. Our main, um, I say strike a block a barrier where we can fail is if we are not going to be inclusive huh? so um and that to start we built solar parks and wind parks and for those you didn't need everybody you only needed those who were uh, you needed the landowner the municipality will give you the permit and those who were willing to invest Mm. And you uh, invested in those solar panels because it gave a nice return on investment and you like renewable energy. Um, but now you go to a situation where, especially in neighborhoods, and it was also a conclusion of the pilot project, is that you need everybody. So you need whole new engagement strategies to reach the whole neighborhood. Um, just having uh, an information night on your Thursday nights where all the pensionata are available, then it's not uh, enough anymore. So you need to make sure that you're there uh, either during the day or in the weekend, um, making sure that people uh, can invite you at their time because they have kids or whatever. So all all that engagement strategies uh, need, uh, need to be added uh, so we could be inclusive. Um, yeah, and, and what we're now doing is that we're uh, building solar and wind, not because it's an investment uh, tool anymore, because it makes uh, money for the community, which yeah, is um, which is good. But uh, now we're going to build it because it, uh, especially with the high prices, because it's cheap energy, hmm. and that creates a whole different dimension. Um, because if you build cheap energy then uh, you need to discuss who can have this cheap energy. Uh, if you, you never have, because then all of a sudden there's a limited amount of cheap energy and then you have to decide who can use it at what time. Um, and if you, if you sell it, if you sell the cheap electricity to the biggest company who uses the most electricity, then the others in low income who weren't participating in building the wind turbine still have high energy prices. So then you get a very unfair energy community. 
so that's that's going to be uh, our main yeah our main discussion the next year um, with with local governments. Well, they got we're going to make sure they're going to demand that that you can can't just build a wind turbine for one company, but it, you build it for the community and that there needs to be access to that electricity uh, for low low incomes. Um, but that's going to be yeah, the main the main issue, the inclusiveness of uh, energy communities. But it goes two ways. Eh? So you need the big companies as well because they have a different um, uh, is it, um, profile, uh, mm -hmm. profile, energy profile they're using during the day while consumers. So to make sure all the electricity is used at any time on a local level, you need mm -hmm. a good mix of the local companies and uh, the consumers. So you're going to see energy communities expand to from just a small group of people who are interested in investing in renewable energy to companies and other. And that, and that transformation from actually an energy cooperative that runs as an investment tool to an energy community is going to be very tricky because mm -hmm. some are not yeah, capable of it because they were set up as an investment organization for their members. You both know that the EU Commission is about to reform the European electricity market design. So I wanted to know what would be your priorities for this reform? What I find very uh, wasteful in time and energy is that every local municipality, every civil servant is trying to figure out the what the role is between a group of citizens building their own energy system and the municipality itself. Mm -hmm. um, so you can help that with I def, a good definition, uh, but the commission thought that oh, once we make a definition in EU law, then everything goes by itself. You also need to have large knowledge transaction on what this really means, uh, a good education um, and the right tools uh, to to make the to make this happen. That's going to be important. That you're going to make a new new definition, and then the knowledge transfer to these municipalities needs to be organized on every mm -hmm. national level. There needs to be a program and say, okay, what does this mean? Trainings, this or mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and that and that mm -hmm. doesn't happen. You need a facilitating framework for it. And then you can mm -hmm. be very specific in that facilitating framework. And a facilitating framework is a knowledge program for community energies and municipalities to understand each other's role. Or else we're going to have every, I don't know how many municipalities there are in Europe. I know there's 352 in the Netherlands. You're going to have 352 times that discussion. I think what... Seward said it's, it's it's a good point you need a facilitating framework but I think we also need to look also with provinces because um, there are you know some some municipalities they're very strong they have good uh, experience with these and uh, they could also be local facilitators for other uh, places or you have some kind of pool maybe you know where you can you know not always hire consultants but you know like a provincial pool from experts on this field and if you have a small community who is like uh, yeah lacking uh, the infrastructure but also like the, the the men or women power 
that they can hire for a period, uh, such kind of a local, uh, like provincial consultant market or mm -hmm, yeah. yeah and then they you yeah. know they can they can they can help or they can set up these structures or for us also for participation you know like uh, i think in in a recent study it's, it says that they have uh, any municipality around a half a position for all the participation efforts uh, so you can of course energy is only uh, one one part so so and this is not even a full position so you see like uh, how, how many uh, how, how much uh, they struggle for for keeping up with the demands so you also have to provide some kind of possibilities that they can uh, yeah that they can make this uh, these demands also through so we ended our conversation with a topic that could easily fill another episode the lack of staff in local governments is indeed a huge problem across europe Last year at Energy Cities, we've conducted our own study focusing on the staffing needs of administrations to decarbonize the built environment. As we need to close, I want you, dear listener, to take some figures from the study with you. Local administrations in Europe would need 214,000 new positions between now and 2030 for energy and climate missions. This represents around 2.5 additional full-time positions in each European municipality per year. Well, I let you meditate on these figures. Thanks a lot for listening and please share the episode with others if you liked it. This episode was produced with support from Scale 203050. Scale is an EU project which makes collaboration happen to get many more energy communities up and running. The people behind Scale 203050 work on a methodology and toolkit for citizens, cities and policymakers. If you too want to see more local energy communities across Europe, check out the toolkit and explore all of the project's resources at the website scale202050.eu, scale with 2C like in communities, scale202050.eu. And scale is actually funded by the EU's Horizon 2020 program. Thanks for tuning in.